Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Father, I thank you for this uh, verse. And though we're not going to delve a great deal into this verse, there's some important points about your unlimited resources that we need to understand and in this season of our life, and not just because it's Christmas, but in this season of, of uh, 2020, the, what, we've, what we've experienced as, as, a, as people. Um, and I pray, Lord, that we will understand and, and, and know this morning the great sacrifice that you gave out of, in really a, a real way, a limited resource. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was uh, attending a conference uh, a number of years ago at a mega church in Dallas. And this church... Um, I don't know how many they see, thousands, thousands. It's one of the big ones. And, and I noticed something, and there were thousands attending this conference that I had gone to. I had been talked into it uh, by Martin McCrory. He was going to be there as well. And so um, we met there together. But I noticed something as the week went on that any time they took a break between sessions um, or lunch break or anything like that, that that would immediately tax the cell service. In other words, what, what do people do when they, when they get a chance? You know, when they're not busy anymore, they'll pull their phone out, they'll check their email, they'll text somebody, respond to a call, they'll, they'll call a loved one or something like that. And you can imagine thousands, thousands of people suddenly pulling out their phones and doing that. Um, it was completely useless to useless to try to use my phone as soon as they took a break I'd, I'd pull it out and I'd, I'd try to I'd try call Lori and it wouldn't go through and just completely tax the AT&T service and the south the cell towers could not handle all of the traffic all of that traffic at the same time that's called we know we understand that's called bandwidth there was not enough bandwidth to service everyone all at once so one of the days of the conference, I experimented a little bit. What I did was I knew that things were beginning to wind down and they were probably going to call uh, for a lunch break. And so because I was sitting towards the back of the church, I got up and, and left or to about 10 minutes early. And sure enough, uh, no problem. As soon as I was making my way to my car, I made a phone call to my wife. It went through with no problem. Got in the car, started driving, talking to her. I did, I'm doing this, but probably hands-free. Who knows? I don't know. That was many years ago, so who knows? But anyway, I was talking with Lori, and sure enough, about as I was driving around trying to find a place to eat, about 10 minutes into my drive, suddenly it went dead. I lost her. And I thought, I, I thought to myself, the conference has let out, because immediately it taxed the cell service. Bandwidth, bandwidth is supposed to be sufficient 
for a normal day. When everybody is, is out in the stores and in restaurants, we, we understand that from you know, living in Fredericksburg. If, you're ever try, if you ever try to use your cell phone in town during a weekend, I mean, Lori and I have had that problem many times. Thousands of people coming here, and all of a sudden, we can't get LTE data uh, while you're out and about. It's nearly impossible. Again, this is all about what's called bandwidth. It's all about limits and limitations. And we all understand limits and limitations. The older I get, I definitely am beginning to understand limits and limitations. We live in a world with limitations. When you drove to church this morning, hopefully you, you kept to the speed limit. We, ha- we, un- we know there's limitations as to how fast we are allowed to drive. We, we have a city limits. There's limited warranties on things. There are limited offers on things. Time limit, credit limit, age limit, limited membership, limited data on your, on your cell phone, uh, your property, the, your, your house has limits and you have a limited vocabulary. We're supposed to know our limits. We're supposed to, when we know when things are off limits. Uh, even our days on earth are limited. Now I did this, I did a search years ago, all this, all this stuff from a search I did years ago. And when I was doing this search years ago in Google and looking at all the limited things there are to get some examples to give to you, I was hitting next and next and next and looking and, and reading and next and next. And all of a sudden, apparently there's a limitation as to how many times you can hit next. Because all of a sudden this CAPTCHA thing came on and says, are you a robot? You know, because I had to prove I wasn't a robot hitting this button next, next, next. So again, there's limitations in even doing research like that. We try to push limits, but there are always walls of limitation. How fast a human being can run. There's, there's a limit to that. I mean, for, for a long time, I didn't think that four-minute mile could be, you know, there could be a four-minute mile, and now there is, and, and it's below that. But at some point, there is an absolute limit to how fast a human being can run or how high we can jump. Even in nature, there are limitations. Light cannot go any faster than 186,000 miles per second. I didn't know this, but uh, nothing can be colder than minus 459.67 degrees Fahrenheit. You can't get, can't get any colder than that. That's the absolute coldest temperature there can be. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that, but that's true. There's, we live in a world of limitation, and we understand that. Because, and because we live in this world with limitations, we understand why we live in a world of limitations, because we are creatures, and we live among creation, a creation that had a beginning, and a creation, and, and we know that we had a beginning, and we also know that we will have an end. So we, we know there's a beginning, and we know that there's an end. But let's talk about God for just a moment, because this, this verse talks about God's unlimited resources. And God is the only being we, we understand that has no limitation. But because we live in a world with beginnings and endings and with walls of limitation, it's hard for us to wrap our head around a being who had no beginning and no ending. 
Even scientists talk about first cause because they think that there has to be a beginning. They, they can't wrap their heads around something that it has always existed. When did God come into being? Well, he always was, and that's hard for us to understand. And so I, I get how people who don't believe in God would struggle with the idea of a being who has no limitations. We, we accept that by faith. But people who don't know God do struggle with that. So let me tell you my story. As most of you know, before COVID, I played handball a couple of times a week uh, with a group of guys, and I've been doing this for many, many years now. And then we've not been able to do it since February or March of this year and probably won't till the summer of, of next year. But I enjoy, enjoy the game immensely, but I enjoy the friendships that I've made playing handball. And I'll never forget my introduction to one of the players named Roy. And when I first started playing with this particular group, he wasn't around at the beginning because he, he was rehabbing a severe ankle injury. But I'll never forget the first time he stepped on the court. I, I was introduced to him, shook his hand. That was back in the days when you could shake people's hands. But anyway, we were walking onto the court. We were going to play doubles. And I just met Roy. We were walking onto the court. And so doubles, that means four people. So Roy, me, and two other guys. And uh, I'll never forget his, his words was, as we were stepping on the court. He said, he said, I'm surrounded. He said, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. Let me explain. Roy was an U.S. Air Force fighter pilot who, who fought in, in, uh, in, saw some action in the, in the war. And Roy was stepping onto the court with three clergymen, one retired pastor, one that should be retired, and one that uh, did some lay preaching from time to time. And Roy was stepping onto the court with three, these three guys. And he, and he continued, he said, I won't be able to talk because I don't have the language. In other words, his language would not be appropriate for three clergymen. So we assured him we won't be offended. And, and let me just say that through the years, Roy was simply Roy, language and all. He realized that we weren't going to kick him off the court if he said a, a bad word. But I grew to really love this man. I, I really did. I, I loved this man. A, a few years ago when I was in a very tight schedule for getting some repairs done at the G42U rent house, uh, I was desperate for help. And my friend Roy came to my rescue. He rearranged his schedule, spent literally all day with me until dark fabricating and installing countertops. I didn't have countertops. We had to fabricate them. I didn't know how to do that. That was way over my head. And Roy brought all his tools, and, and, and he and I worked together till we were to completely and totally physically wasted at the end of the day. And he had come all the way from the other side of Kerrville to help me that day. That was who Roy was. But there's something else about Roy that has blessed me because the, though he was a very gruff man, he had this compassionate heart. I think he didn't like people knowing he had that, but he had this compassionate heart under that crusty exterior. Roy was a bladder cancer survivor. 
And when he found out that my brother, uh, found out about my brother a number of years ago, uh, having bladder cancer, every time we would come together, he would ask me about Paul. How's Paul doing? How's he doing? What kind of tests is he having? Those kinds of things. At the time Paul was losing his battle with bladder cancer, Roy would ask me every every week, how's your brother? And he would offer advice and, and, and help and even offered to call Paul. And on more than one occasion, Roy offered, he said, I will drive to Paris, seven hour trip one way. I'll drive to Paris and sit and talk with him. And he, he offered that on more than one occasion. And of course, as most know, I lost my brother not long after that. And But after Paul's death, he began asking about my daughter, Sarah. She was beginning to have some of the issues, her her autoimmune stuff going on. And he would ask me every time we played, he'd ask me how Sarah was doing. So one day he was asking me about Sarah in between our games. And he said, I have a question that I've wondered about for many years. He said, I've asked clergy and I've asked other religious people about it over the years. And I've Never really gotten a satisfying answer. Let me just tell you a little bit about more about Roy's background. His background is in engineering. And he said, and this is what he said, he said, with the background in engineering that I have, he said, I can't get around unlimited bandwidth. How can God have unlimited bandwidth? He said, you understand bandwidth, don't you? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And he said, look it up anyway. Now, I understood bandwidth as it relates to routers and Wi-Fi and cellular signals and those kinds of things. So I looked it up in Oxford English Dictionary, and this is what I read. The energy or mental capacity required to deal with a situation. Another definition said, a person's capacity to handle or think about more than one thing at the same time. That's bandwidth. So since he can't wrap his head around unlimited bandwidth, he views God as having limited resources. Now we just read on the screen here that God has unlimited resources, but he couldn't wrap his head around God having unlimited resources. So he goes on and tells me that, he said, every once in a while, he said, my wife will ask me to say a blessing at mealtime. Now, again, Roy would tell you at the time he had no relationship with God. Anyway, so he said, every once in a while his wife would ask him to say a blessing at mealtime. He said, and and, and believe me, by the way, this is completely outside of his comfort zone. I'm sure she'd ask him that at probably family meals, Christmas time, things like that. But he does it to make his wife happy. And so this is what he tells me. He said, "I I pray for your daughter. And I thought, you do? Just the thought of him praying on his own without his wife asking him to uh, astonished me. But he said, I pray for your daughter. He said, this is what I, this is what I say to God, this God he, that he believes doesn't have unlimited bandwidth. This is what he says. God, I don't need anything. So whatever resources were allotted to me, give to Sarah. I don't need anything. So whatever resources allotted to me, give them to somebody else, but give them to Sarah. That's, that's how he prayed 
for my daughter. That floored me. But then he asked what was for him that problematic question. What about bandwidth? So here was my answer. That even though I believe God did have unlimited bandwidth, I told Roy, I said, you know, Roy, I said, that's not the point right now. What you're saying to me, that's not the point. Here's the point, and I commended him. I said, your prayer, your prayer is very godlike. I said, this, that's, that's very sacrificial of you. It's a testament to the image of God that is stamped on your heart, whether you believe it or accept it or not. It's stamped on your heart. And by you saying that tells me that there's a little bit of God, that God's image stamped in your heart. And I told him, I said, you're in good company. I said, Moses said to God one day, God, if you can't forgive Israel's sin, then blot me out of your book. Paul said something very similar. Paul asked God, he said, God, if there is a way that he could be cursed so that his people could be blessed. And that's sort of what Roy was saying. Take whatever you would have given to me and give it to somebody else. Both of these men were willing to sacrifice themselves for others. But I told him, I said, I said Roy, I said, ultimately... I said, this is God-like because this is the way God was with us. God showed us this way. Remember earlier, we, I mentioned that God has unlimited resources, but that's not entirely true. Am I saying that this verse is wrong? Let me, let me explain what I'm saying here. I'm going to boldly say this morning that God has, limit, has, has a limitation. God had a limited resource. God only had one son. This is what I said to Roy. I said, God only had one son. He didn't have two. He didn't have several. He had only one begotten son. He had only one. For so God, but God so loved the world that he gave that only son, that limited resource, that only son, in other words, God was saying, I will give of my resource what once belonged to me exclusively. I'll give him that the world might be saved. And his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So God gave sacrificially. We talk so much around Christmas time about the birth of Jesus, and so we should, but we talk about joy to the world, peace on earth, giving gifts, and so forth. But we, we don't often hear thoughts about the sacrifice of God. And in a way, you could almost hear God saying, like Roy's prayer, you could almost hear God saying, I have everything I need. I don't need anything. But the one thing I do have that I do hold near and dear, I now lay on the altar. I now put him in the empty hands of the needy world he will be here he will be the answer to your need one thing i love about christmas time is that it engenders an atmosphere of giving it's something i've often wished we could capture and reproduce every day throughout the year we give and we give joyfully but we we usually just give to family maybe close friends, perhaps a boss or a teacher. 
But beyond that, we don't seem to be as giving. Lori and I were talking the other day about a situation that where you know some people were not showing a very kind Christmas spirit. So it's it's almost like you know it's doled out to friends and family and close friends, etc. During this time, we might hear wonderful stories of people giving outside of their family and friends. I remember a story about a person somewhere in the Northeast who was going around paying off layaway bills anonymously. And in one small town, as much as $50,000. Uh, but again, even those gifts are likely from someone who can afford it. Though they don't have unlimited resources, they do have a lot of resources and it's no big deal. I'll pay that. So they give out of their abundance. Here's where the story even gets more poignant. I found something out about Roy a few months later that made me appreciate the gracious gift of Roy's prayer all the more. In the past, we haven't done this in the last few years, but in the past, the handball players and their wives would have a Christmas dinner together. And a few years ago, that took place at a home here in Fredericksburg. And I was over in the corner talking with Roy and the other ex-clergyman. And you see, something I didn't tell you about Roy was at the time he told me he was praying for Sarah and God, I don't need anything. Roy was sick. I knew that. I'd already known that, but it's hard to pay attention to that because Roy would come to play handball and doesn't complain. But this particular evening, I discovered something I didn't know, that he had a disease known as MDS, which is myodoplastic syndrome. It's a bone marrow uh, situation, and it's related to cancer. And in our conversation that night, he was telling us that... Uh, Eight months earlier, the doctor had inf- had given him when the doctor had given him the diagnosis, both MD Anderson in Houston and also his own local an- oncologist had given him 24 months to live. So when he was telling me this, I did the math, and that means when he was telling me this, he had about 16 months to live. And I had no idea I was speechless when he told me this be- because I remembered the words of his prayer. I remembered him saying, God, I don't need anything. Take whatever resources you would give to me and give it to Sarah. And and this is from a man who's dying that could use God's resources. But he said, take it from me and give it to Sarah. He does have need. Probably greater, not probably, it was greater than Sarah's need. And this is a man, again, who would probably say he has no relationship with God whatsoever. Yet there is that image stamped on him, revealing itself in his unselfish willingness to sacrifice. And all, and all out of his own need for someone he has never met. As I was thinking about this, I came back to this text that we read this morning When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And I thought, 
One of the greatest gifts we can give someone is our fervent prayer. Jesus told Peter one day, I have prayed for you. That does something to me when someone just randomly says, I've prayed for you. I've been praying for you. Why me? Jesus told Peter, I've prayed for you. He made sure that before his departure, he offered up prayer for his disciples in John chapter 17. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We know of many people, our own family and outside of our family, that is in desperate need of prayer. And we approach a God with unlimited resources, as this passage is saying. We approach a God with unlimited resources. He does not have the bandwidth. He doesn't have to take from you to give to somebody else. He can give to you completely and fully of himself and give to somebody else. He's a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is not diminished when he gives out. You know, when, 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 Lori, when Roy and I worked that day, we were, we were exhausted at the day. We were spent. God is not like that. The Bible says that when God gives, he has more energy to give. In other words, he's not depleted by that. And this is a God who has unlimited resources. The Bible says he does not grow weary and he does not faint. Why don't you give the gift of prayer and let the person that you're praying for know that you're praying for them? That's, that's a great gift we can give this year. And it, and it costs us nothing, just getting on our knees and going before God and praying to a God of unlimited resources. Amen.